welcome to Farm to Fork, a program dedicated to exploring how food and drink are produced, delivered, and served throughout the Pioneer Valley. In every episode, we speak with some of the brightest lights in the Valley's culinary world, from gleaners, gatherers, hunters, fishermen, farmers, and packagers, to brewers and restaurateurs, and everyone in between. My name is Jessica, co-host Sue Timberlake, and show producer Claire Piazza join me in the studio. Today we'll be talking with Carol Hillman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. So, Carol, what is the history uh, of your farm? Well, the farm is in New Salem, Mass. And the house on the farm was built in 1750. So the farm itself was... Uh, a dairy, and it overlooks the Quabbin Reservoir, which is one of the great advantages of the beauty of the place. And my late husband and I bought the farm in 1968, so that I've been coming up here for 54 years. And it has been a labor of love to try to bring back not only the house, but primarily the land to its original beauty. As you look down towards the Quabbin, you see meadows, stone walls, bluebird houses, beautiful trees of all kinds, and then the Quabbin. So it's a special place for those of us who live in Western Mass. And it has become a important part of this small historic town. Mm -hmm. So did you had to restore, what, what was the shape of the buildings when you? Well, yes. Um, we had a lot of restoration to do. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, um, the home was in the family of the gentleman who was a contractor for old Deerfield Village. So we had an expert at our fingertips, and that was an important thing mm -hmm. because it is a history. And So the orchards, there are two orchards, one that you can see from the house, and the larger orchard is three meadows down. Mm -hmm. And the orchards had been neglected. They were, the orchards were planted about 135 years ago, from what we can understand. And they were in the kind of shape that you couldn't walk through. You couldn't see any rows. Mm -hmm. It was just a, uh, a mess. Mm -hmm. The other thing about the orchard that you can see from the house, which is named after my granddaughter, Claire, the Claire block. The other orchard is my grandson, Lawrence. So it's the Lawrence block. The trees had grown to 70 feet tall. And 
To add to that, there was poison ivy that was growing up the trees. Oh, no. So our first job when we started the restoration of the orchard was to get rid of the poison ivy so that we could get a pruner in to gradually bring down the height of the trees. Mm -hmm. You can't just cut off a tree at the height you want because that would stress the tree and they might not survive. So this was a very slow process. But when I look at out at it now, it just seems incredibly beautiful that those trees are still producing so many apples. Mm-hmm. One year we had only one apple. Oh, wow. Of all the trees? From all the trees, yeah. Oh, so it was um, not only a matter of pruning, it was a matter of fertilizing and mowing mm-hmm. and finding the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And as you know, learning is an ongoing process. And certainly in nature, it is a challenge, a big challenge. And you never know what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of today's weather. Mm-hmm. The drought has been um, devastating for us right? in the sense that so many of our apples dropped to the ground prematurely and they could not be used at all because they weren't, they didn't taste good. Mm-hmm. There was no color to them. There was no size to them. So they really just had to be dumped in the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. Right. Um, we've had many challenges with, with the orchards. Uh, two years ago, we had eight bears. And they really made a mess of our beautiful place. And we finally decided that we had to put electric fences Mm -hmm. both the orchards and um, fortunately so far this year uh, it's it has worked well carol um so i just have to get back to the poison ivy for a moment um you know because i have uh, i have one plant of poison ivy in my backyard so how does one safely get rid of poison ivy permanently In the beginning, I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. We used Roundup. Oh, okay. And it is a, I have since learned Mm -hmm. um, that that it's such a harmful chemical that you should not use it at all. And getting rid of poison ivy is pretty impossible for us. Mm -hmm. I've tried the white vinegar uh, method. You know, I don't really want to put poison into the earth. Right. But it just, it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And we have it all along the roadside. We have it at the back of the garden. Mm-hmm. We have it at the edge of one of the meadows right up here. Mm-hmm. And we do everything we can. I mean, some people put on gloves and pull it out. Right. 
can't take that chance because I uh, if I used to get it and it's it's pretty bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can't give you any good advice on that okay. at all. Okay. If you can give me some, I would love it. <laughs> I was going to ask if you ever tried the. Uh, I guess you can rent goats that will eat it, that like to eat poison ivy. That is true, and that is a way of of doing it. Mm -hmm. The only way that I know, but (laughs) I don't have any goats in my backyard. (laughs) So, Carol, what led to you? uh, Well, you know, you're you're telling us the history, um, but you could have decided not to turn the apples into hard cider. Well, so what, what led what you led you to starting your own hard cider company? Well, the hard cider company is a recent addition. We started it four years ago and we have been selling it for three years. Mm-hmm. Sweet cider, we've been doing for decades. Mm-hmm. And that was really the main attraction for the farm mm-hmm. and making good in quotes, sweet cider is a long process. And everyone who come, not everyone, but most people who come to the farm say it's the best cider they've ever had. And mm-hmm. uh, people travel for hours to get here. But and someone asked me the other day, why do you think your cider is so good? Mm-hmm. And of course, so much of it depends upon the quality of the apples. Right. And we do have a mix of apples, not only the old Macintosh, but we have planted a number of heirloom apples and also apples that are good for cider. But what I think is this our secret, and it is no secret, is that we have quality control when we put a bushel of apples into the washer brusher. We often have four people, two on each side, and sometimes more, cutting out all of the bad parts, the bruises, any dirt, anything like that, any scarring. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is our, in quotes, secret. Mm -hmm. Most cider is made by just anything in the orchard that's picked up is just dumped onto the trays that that feed the washer-brusher and eventually the grinder. Mm That makes sense. Uh, so what what skills, Carol, did you need to learn uh, to run uh, your, your company originally? Well, the, the company that we started with was called New Salem Preserves. Mm-hmm. And it actually was preserves. I had one summer visited the Thornton Burgess Society in East Sandwich. And I saw a um, whole array of solar cookers that were making all different kinds of preserves. It was like a cold frame on the south side of the building. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I decided that that would be a wonderful thing to do. I had started making preserves the colonial way, which was to put it in trays and put it outside and let the sun cook it. Mm-hmm. But there were definite disadvantages. And one of them was that insects would get into the product. Mm. And you can't have that. (laughs) Even though I tried a number of things like putting out a bowl of molasses Mm -hmm. or painting the sawhorses that held the board that held the trays of preserves with tangle trap so that any insect coming up from the ground would get caught before it got to the preserve. But that was tedious and it was not satisfactory. And then I came across this other method and decided that um, I, that's what I wanted to do. It seemed like a much cleaner method and it was uh, just using nature mm-hmm. to make a particular preserve. And what it does, um, well, first of all, let me just say that the hulled strawberries are sugared down and put into a warming tray, a stainless steel warming tray. And they then sit overnight and the sugar draws out the juices So by morning, that can be put into a stainless steel pot. And I add sugar and crab apple juice from our own trees, which is crab apples are the highest fruit uh, that has pectin, Mm -hmm. the highest pectin amount. And, uh, of course, I have to add apples, not only for flavor, but for added pectin. And that then is brought to a boil so that there's no bacteria present and uh, put back into a clean warming tray and put into the solar cooker. The process is totally dependent on the weather. Mm -hmm. And... uh, It can take four or five days for the juice to gel. And if it rains and there's no sun, you have to be very watchful because things can mold if they don't have the proper amount of sun quickly enough. And then they have to be refrigerated until the sun comes out again. Mm -hmm. So back into the kitchen, bring it to a heat it up and jar it. And um, then you have a beautiful product. And the main thing about it is that the strawberries themselves are whole and they remain whole because they're not cooked over high heat. Mm -hmm. So that is how we started with, and as I said, it was called New Salem Preserves. And I also made uh, raspberry preserves. And years ago, I made blueberry preserves and also a rhubarb marmalade. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, so so uh, we've expanded with many products. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I imagine you want to hear more about the, the hard cider and how that developed. Uh, well, I was curious if you had uh, any cider company models to look to for inspiration back in the beginning. Not really. Um, we did for the for the cider itself for the for the sweet cider. Mm-hmm. We did go around and look at different cideries, and Northfield Mount Hermon, which is a very fine prep school in Northfield, Mass, had a wonderful operation, and maybe that was the uh, our inspiration. Mm-hmm. And had a close association with them for many years. But a lot of um, a lot of the cider making is common sense, mm-hmm. and uh, cleanliness is just such an important factor. And when we make cider, which is once a week, uh, this past week there were ten people all volunteers, except for the farm manager, um, that it took to produce the cider. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a two-hour period to clean the cider mill after a pressing. Oh, wow. That's a long time. So everything has to be sanitized. Mm -hmm. And every piece of equipment floor, everything. Oh, I didn't realize it was so uh, rigorous. It is. Definitely mm-hmm. is. If you do it right. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, what were your original goals for uh, New Salem Cider? Well, I just wanted to have a product that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I also, because my professional life was as a teacher, I really wanted young kids to start eating apples that were low spray apples mm-hmm. and let them know the importance of good food. And because of that, I wanted the farm to be a learning place. Mm-hmm. And that has been and remains one of my primary goals for this place. Mm-hmm. And I had a nursery school group here today, and I asked the director of this small school called Deer Pass Nature Center in Wendell, Mass., how many years she's been coming here with, with her group. And she has four different age groups, and they do different things. But she told me it's over 10 years. Oh, wow. And that made an impact on me. I Mm -hmm. kind of lost count. But let me just tell you that this little school seems to me to have it right. Mm They understand the importance of experiential education. 
and she, her name is Seal, comes with her group, dressed appropriately, backpack, boots, rugged clothing, rain gear if it's going to rain, and they just walk down to the orchard after they put their backpacks in a certain place, and they spend hours there, mm -hmm. hours and hours, exploring, feeling the importance of those trees, looking for caterpillars, mm -hmm. seeing whatever they see, exploring on their own, and learning about what an orchard can be and some of the joys of it, some of the difficulties that, that one has. And after oh, three or four hours, they come up towards the house, sit by on picnic table benches, have their lunch. Sometimes they sit on the ground and with a blanket and have a picnic have some sweet cider, and they ask me questions, and they draw pictures, and they talk about the morning that they have here at the farm. And that, to me, is um, a tremendous satisfaction, because the, the farm is really a place of beauty. Mm-hmm. And they are absorbing that and feeling the importance of it. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM in Northampton. We're talking with Carol Hellman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. Um, so, Carol, you know, how ha I was just curious how the business has grown, you know, in terms of the cider you sell um, the other things that you sell, how, how much larger is it today versus back when you started? Well, it is a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. The hard cider has brought the crowds. Mm -hmm. And we are open at noontime, seven days a week, later, uh, noon to five, and then on the Saturdays, we stay open until 7, and Sunday is 6, and holidays around 7. But people come here, and they relax, and they come with their friends, or they meet their friends here. Mm -hmm. They come with their families. They come with their kids, and they come with their dogs, mm -hmm. and I love it all. Mm -hmm. This year, the greatest, for me, the best addition has been child-size Adirondack chairs. Mm -hmm. And it's so sweet mm -hmm. to see kids sipping cider along with their parents sipping hard cider mm -hmm. and really enjoying the out of doors. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of days ago, we put up a little fire pit so that when the chill is in the air, and it's definitely here now, mm -hmm. um, that's another added attraction. But there are meadows where the kids can run mm -hmm. and 
some kids play catch with their parents and some parents bring a blanket and chairs. They bring a picnic lunch. And we have all kinds of celebrations. Mm-hmm. We have a, someone who's going to have a 40th birthday on the docket. We had a birthday for a one-year-old because the parents said they wanted to have it at a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that does my heart good. Mm-hmm. Last week, we had two classes from Smith College in Northampton which is my alma mater, Mm -hmm. come for uh, classes in astronomy. Hmm. And they came by bus at night, of course, Mm -hmm. and they spread out blankets on the meadow. There was one class one day of 20, and the next class was around 50. And they they stayed in the meadow with their professor, James Lowenthal, mm-hmm. and had an astronomy class. Two hours. That's great. And then they came up to the barn. And by the way, all the lights were turned out. Not a single light could be on. And um, not until they were ready to come up. And they had hot mulled cider and cider donuts. And they and they really loved it. So that's another extension of the farm. Mm-hmm. We have groups who do, uh, we have one group in Western Mass called En Plein Air, and they come and they paint. They can go any place on the property that they want. And after several hours, they come together, they do a critique of each other's work, have their lunch, and off the go. Mm-hmm. But there are many, many things. We had the Morris dancers here maybe a month ago. And I could tell you on and on of groups that come to enjoy themselves and also to learn about cider. Mm-hmm. In October, we also are hosting a group from the New Salem Library. And our cider maker, William Grote from Boston, will give a presentation to them about all of the intricacies of making good hard cider. So the the farm has evolved in a very different way. I used to spend most of my time in the garden, in the vegetable garden. Since COVID, I decided that I should make it a community garden. And we have an, a few families who, who um, plant and share the produce with us. Mm-hmm. And that's another satisfaction. Yeah. We have the land mm-hmm. and we can share that land with other people. That's great. Well, we need to take a station break. Um, please stay with us because when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Carol Hillman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. 
You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, an independent, nonprofit, community-run station in Northampton, Massachusetts. The show streams on valleyfreeradio.org, where you can also find our program schedule and become involved with the station. Nine out of ten doctors recommend toe-tapping as a way to stave off old age. For an hour of toe-tapping reggae northern soul and mod anthems, tune into Radio Liquidator every Sunday at 1 p.m. online or on Valley Free Radio, WXOJ 103.3 FM. If there's a groove, it's on Radio Liquidator. And yes, do the propeller, round and round. Listen to the kids' show on Saturday mornings from 8 to 9, and you will hear wonderful music. As the COVID- Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of Valley Free Radio. River Valley Co-op specializes in fresh, local, and organically grown foods, fresh produce, meat and seafood, cheese and dairy, bread and baked goods, and an in-house deli, along with a wide selection of bulk foods and a large selection of natural and organic grocery items. Owned by its customers, although everyone is welcome. Co-op ownership is not required. Open daily 8 to 10, 330 North King Street, Northampton. Phone 413-584-2665, rivervalleymarket.com. Co-op. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of free speech in the Pioneer Valley. My name is Jessica, Sue Timberlake co-host. As uh, my co-host and show producer, Clara Piazza, joined me in the stu- studio. Sorry, we've been talking with Carol Hillman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. So, Carol, I visited uh, New Salem Cider during the summer, and what made it enjoyable, besides the cider and donuts, which were wonderful, uh, was the view, as you mentioned, down the hill, looking over the apple orchard uh, and the seating area next to a stone wall under a tent, which allowed me to retreat from the hot sun. It was very hot over the summer. So the picture on your website shows the apple trees in bloom and around seating area next to the barn. So that makes me wonder, are you ever closed during the year? Well, we do close at the end of the harvest. Mm-hmm. And we, we close on Thanksgiving Eve at 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Because I do need some time to prepare for family Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But we're open seven days a week, starting in May. And um, we're just here. And... You know, we, although we do have hours, if people are having a good time and being with their friends and family, they can stay as long as they want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think it's so important, particularly in these hard times, and I think they are hard times, a lot of stresses, mm-hmm. that people can be with their friends. It's been a deprivation, really, uh, with COVID and the isolation that that has given us. Right. So that I think we appreciate each other even more than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, Caroline, your website, you mentioned um, that you have multiple seating areas around the farm. You know, visitors should feel free to bring their children and their dogs. 
You encourage customers to bring a, a picnic lunch, as you mentioned, uh, or try a pretzel or a cheese board. Should visitors uh, order ahead for those items? No, not at all. We make them right on site. Mm-hmm. And people give us an order whenever they want it. We also have uh, picnic tables behind the barn. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to mention that one of my great loves is the uh, flower gardens that are back there. We have large flower gardens of uh, primarily of zinnias and dahlias mm-hmm. and lysianthus and then a few other varieties of flowers that are more or less a filler. But uh, growing dahlias is just a great joy, and they are such a, a magnificent flower. They take a lot of work as they have to be dug up and uh, dried and then put in the cellar in tubs of some sort, layered with peat moss, and um, then brought out again when the when the spring comes, springtime comes. Mm-hmm. But they are absolutely a glorious thing to be able to grow and to share. And I make bouquets that are for sale um, for the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I do some, I just started doing a single beautiful dahlia with sweet fern back as a background or a backdrop and put them into an old bottle. And it's just, it's wonderful, wonderful to see Mm -hmm. and behold. Uh, well, Kara, I was curious what, you know, you mentioned what you had to do originally when you discovered the apple trees in the orchard. What is involved uh, in terms of maintaining your apple trees on a year-to-year basis? Well, the pruning is done in the dead of winter in February. And that's that's a tough one because, as you know, uh, sometimes we can get very deep snow here. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts and pruners have had to go in on snowshoe at some some years and I've had the same pruner for 19 years mm-hmm. and he told me this year that that was it he's had enough mm-hmm. but he loved coming here he called our trees the his museum trees mm-hmm. and they really are something to behold when the winter comes and the leaves are gone, you can see the the architecture of the structure of an apple tree, and it's really poetic, and it's um, it's something to behold. And this particular pruner, Brad Maloney, who lives in Westmoreland, New Hampshire. Um, had the orchard dance. Mm-hmm. Everyone who passed, it's, a, it's the same type of thing. It was just a beautiful thing to behold. So I hope we can keep it up. Yeah, so you, uh, I assume you have a replacement well, pruner for this winter? Our, our manager, Terry McHugh, will, he trained under Brad, mm-hmm. so I'm hope, hopeful that he can carry it on. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, what were your biggest challenges uh, in terms of back when you started the business? The cider business or yes. the Thank whole you. thing? The hard cider? Oh, the, ho- the whole thing. The whole thing. 
well, yeah, the sweet cider and I would say lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. There was just so much to learn. Right. And, uh, you know, there were so many animals that were <laughs> around here. Mm-hmm were giving us problems and we had to learn to obviously to live with them right also to pr- to protect what we were trying to grow mm-hmm. and this year we have a red-tailed hawk who is seems to be a permanent resident mm-hmm. he is one of my best friends I have seen him swoop into the cider garden and get a chipmunk mm-hmm. and then swoop out. <laughs> uh, he also, one of my neighbors, saw him get a rabbit mm-hmm. and had a very hard takeoff, but he did. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it's survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a particularly large number of chipmunks this year, and they can do a lot of damage. They can go right into a garden. They dig underneath the fence, mm-hmm. go through the fence. They they get there. And, um, you know, you put a lot of effort into something, and then boom, it's gone. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do have to share the earth, that's for sure. Right. Well, I do, yeah, I notice around my yard, you know, the chipmunks actually, you know, plant seeds for future plants. So I figure, you know, they're helping me a little bit here and there. They pl- they've planted a lot of, uh, they've planted a lot of um, ground cherry plants around my yard. So I have to, I have to appreciate them. Right. And give them credit. This year, because of the drought, mm-hmm. the squirrels have gone after a lot of the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And they go after them because of the moisture. Right. Yeah. They need that. Yeah, they're very parched. Yeah. Uh, so, Carol, what's the process for uh, developing and making the labels for your bottles? Well, we are lucky enough to have a wonderful graphic designer who also lives in Vermont, and her name is Lynn Zimmerman. And I have worked with her for many years and have the greatest respect for her sense of aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And we do it online. Uh, I feed her the information and what I have in my head. And we work on it together. It's a back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I've been very pleased with her work in just about anything she touches. She has a terrific sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol, have you had any supply chain challenges uh, since the beginning of COVID? I know some people it's hard to get labels. It's hard to get you know paper and other products. Well, the main supply chain difficulty we've had is that we, this past year and the year before, were not able to get the growlers for the hard cider that we wanted. So we just have to accept that and hope that possibly next year they will be available to us. Mm-hmm. We also uh, have had difficulty in getting compostable 
hot cups mm-hmm. and have had to look for other sources than what we normally do. And with the preserves, I cannot find the jar, the eight and a half ounce jar that I like to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make do with the, uh, the only jar that I could get with that particular size mm-hmm. was uh, a, what they call a squat jar. And there's, I can't put a label on it. It's not tall enough for me to use the correct label. Mm-hmm. So we have a little card which describes the product and how it's to be used. Mm-hmm. And we have that on top of the jar. And that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's not as attractive as I would like it to be. And because I think packaging is so important in selling a product. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, Carol, what kinds of uh, hard cider do you sell? Well, right now we have five different kinds of cider. Uh, the first one is the Quabbin Reserve. And that is our most complex cider, and it is the driest one that we have. Mm-hmm. The next one is Cora Peel, which is semi-dry, and is what I call the appliest of them all. And the third one is the Bee's Knees, mm-hmm. and that is the uh, Cora Peel with some, some honey added. And then uh, the last one is the raspberry beret, which which obviously has raspberries to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have just in the past week added a pear cider, Mm -hmm. which is very delicate, and people seem to uh, find it very refreshing. Mm -hmm. So I have a list for our customers that the cider maker made up uh, showing all the various apples that uh, go into each of the, each of the various ciders. Mm-hmm. And we sell it as a, as a flight, which is small glasses, four small glasses. And then we also sell a glass of cider, which has our logo on it. And then finally, we have the growler, which uh, is the take-home product. And what we do is if people bring back the growler for being refilled, uh, the price drops. And that seems to be a nice incentive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carol, do you have plans to expand your hard cider collection? Oh, I think we're always thinking about what's next Mm -hmm. and always trying to come up with ideas that uh, will intrigue our customers. This year we added a hot sauce, which is made with with our apple cider vinegar. Mm -hmm. We also sell apple cider vinegar in old bottles. And that's been fun to collect the bottles, and it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how long does the hard cider last on a shelf? Well, 
I think it's up to a, a month. Mm-hmm. And refri- it has to be refrigerated after it, it's open. And it should be refrigerated even before it's open. Mm-hmm. But um, the only thing that happens, uh, the cider maker, William, tells us, is that the amount of effervescence is somewhat reduced. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carol, uh, what is your, I was curious about your geographic reach in terms of uh, selling your products. Well, how, how far afield? We get a lot of Boston customers. Mm-hmm. Amherst, of course. I had a woman come uh, the other day for cider syrup which we don't have available this year, but will next. And she drove two hours. Oh, wow. So, and people in traveling pass by on Route 202 and see our signs. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of new customers that way. Uh, Just by the vision. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we do... uh, online advertising on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. that brings a lot of other people. So social media is a very big force mm-hmm. in our customer base. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton. And we're talking with Carol Hillman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, so, Carol, what um, did you say that there are other products that you have available for the public? So you have the sweet cider, the hard cider, the pear cider. Um, I thought I saw on your website you have other items that... that well, we do applesauce as well. Oh, applesauce. Mm-hmm. And I make that with orange juice. Mm-hmm. And then one, one of my favorite products, well, I have two favorites, really. One is crab apple juice, and that is pure crab apple juice, nothing added. Mm-hmm. It's a very tart flavor. The color of it is extraordinary. It's so beautiful. And the other item that I love so much is called ice cider. And that is a, a item that takes two years to produce, and it's very labor intensive. And the alcoholic content of that is 12%. Alcoholic content, I don't think I mentioned before, for most of our ciders is 6%, uh, but the pear is 5%. Mm -hmm. Well, Carol, I was curious, uh, what would you say sets your cider company apart from other, uh, or the hard cider of your company? sets it apart from other hard cider companies? Well, I think we have a very pleasing product. And I also feel that the farm itself is a big drawing card Mm -hmm. because it's not overtly commercial. Mm -hmm. People come to just relax and take in the beauty of nature. That's really the main thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how would you describe the hard cider industry, you know, right now as far as number of companies, uh, et cetera? Well, I can't really tell you the number of companies. 
I can't tell you that it seems to be a very on the cusp product and it is gluten free, which draws a certain small segment of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a great future. So, Carol, can you think of any uh, myths that people might believe about hard cider? I don't know of any myths. No. I'm not familiar with it at all. Okay. Are you? Um, yeah, for some reason I thought there might be myths about, you know, comparing hard cider with, you know, other alcoholic beverages or... I guess not. <laughs> Uh, well, I'd love to hear, Carol, how, you know, where people can find uh, your products for purchase. Well, we have very few places other than the farm. Mm-hmm. But in town, right on 202, is the New Salem General Store. And that carries, at the moment, three of our ciders. And the other two places, uh, our cider maker, as I said, is from Boston. And there is a charcuterie called Sevens. And then uh, there's one other source, which is called Shipwreck in Falmouth. But that's it at the moment. We are on purpose keeping it uh, a small number to see how our, how our product lasts. One other thing I want to tell you is that even because we have fewer apples this year, it's always been important to me to send apples to the schools. Mm-hmm. So I sell the, our local schools, Swift River School, and also three different schools in Orange, which is the next town. And that's a great satisfaction to me. And we have been doing this for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I noticed there was a list, uh, or I thought it was a list on your website of stores that carry your products. I thought it included stores around Northampton, like maybe the co-op or... No. No? None of those stores? Okay. Uh, so what events, uh, do you have other events that happen throughout the year? Well, this past weekend, we had the Garlic and Arts event, which mm-hmm. takes place in Orange, Mass. Mm-hmm. And the farm was also open. And uh, I can't, I don't know the number of people that attended, but it was, I, I would say, more than ever. And we were used to having 10,000 people at the festival. So that is one event. Mm -hmm. And on the first weekend in November, we have what's called Cider Days Mm 2.0. And we have that here right at the farm. And there's a courtyard in front of the cider mill where vendors come to set up and where we sell our products. The cider mill itself is open and kids are welcome to come and help press. Mm -hmm. So 
that has always been um, something important for us to do. We have workshops, workshops about hard cider making, workshops about backyard apple trees. This year, we're going to have a, a woman who's just published a book on the four towns, the four lost towns of the Quabbin. And she's going to do a book signing on both days of, the, of that weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we will also have a few other exhibitors. We'll have someone who does wooden bowls, someone who does honey, hopefully, and so on. But it's always interesting. We do have the workshops, and they are very well attended. Mm-hmm. Well, Carol, we have about a minute left Uh are there any last-minute tidbits you want to mention, your website address or any other? Well, NewSalemCidered.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we welcome people to come um, just to enjoy the place. Mm-hmm. And feel free to bring your dog and kids, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, bring your friends. Have a time together. Have an intimate time, mm-hmm. and we're happy to, to welcome you. Well, thank you so much, Carol. We'd like to thank our guest, Carol Hillman, owner of New Salem Cider in New Salem, Massachusetts. You may find additional information about Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio's website, valleyfreeradio.org. To listen to archive shows of earlier guests, visit our podcast site at pnc.st forward slash s forward slash farm to fork our theme song sometimes i wonder where my food comes from was written by scraggly dan and the stragglers for this farm to fork radio program and performed by artists this farm to fork show will re-air this thursday from 11 a.m to 12 p.m if you enjoy jazz music you'll want to tune into jubilation jazz here on valley free radio 103.3 fm fridays from 3 a.m to 5 a.m Jubilation Jazz brings you what's happening in the world of creative improvised music with looks back at the great heritage of so-called jazz and African-American music. The latest music by today's artists who are taking jazz into the 21st century, as well as present performances by the masters who created the music. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for Twilight's Poetry Pub with host Tommy Twilight. Hi, I'm Mark Sherry. And I'm Ace Housethor, and we're some of the hosts for the New Music Alliance Radio Hour, which goes up every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. We're going to focus on presenting some of the best original music to come from the Western New England area, both past and present. And as always, keep keep on rockin'.